Welcome to the podcast of Inspiring Women in Hospitality. I'm Noreen Ahmed, your host. Each episode, I invite a woman from the hospitality industry to share her story with us, why she got into hospitality, her journey so far, her learnings, and who inspires her. On this episode, we hear from Lisa, recorded in September 2023. So honored to share her story, who overcame countless adversities and thrived to build her own restaurant business in Sedona. She's now the CEO of six restaurants with 300 employees. Right. Hello, everyone. Noreen here. Today, I'm with Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad to be with you today, Noreen. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, Noreen, I am a chef owner, CEO of six restaurants in Sedona, Arizona. And I have been in this career for 27 years. I am a self-taught chef. I have well over 300 employees in this very small resort town, and I am very happy to be with you today. I'm I'm happy to have you, and I can't wait to get into more details about this 27-year career. Uh, So let's start at the beginning, and let me ask you, what brought you into hospitality in the first place? Well, you know, I think it's kind of interesting that I grew up in the clothing business. My mother was a entrepreneur at a very early age. And so I pretty much grew up in the hospitality of trying to help women and girls of all ages find the perfect outfit. So I feel like that was hospitality. I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana where all the nice people are. (laughs) And uh, being in the Midwest, um, my mother was a trendsetter. And working in the clothing business, I learned how to help people and serve people. And I realized that the joy that you receive from helping others just feel good about themselves is a really uh, good introduction to hospitality. I might not have known that that was what it was called, but Looking back on it, that is really good old-fashioned hospitality at its best. And if you think about it, you know, every industry in some shape or form does have an element of service. You know, if you have a customer, you are there to to give them a service. And which is why I see a lot of people who sort of have a background in hospitality can easily transition into another industry. Uh, because the skills are so transferable. You know, if you have that element of care and desire to get, give service, or like you were saying, you know, you're helping women and girls find that amazing outfit. I mean, they probably wouldn't have done it as well on their own. Perhaps. And, you know, I think the uh, true sense of hospitality is how you feel when you get to help someone else. And that is, it sounds easy. I think I think for the most part that some people just come in with that, you know, just like a lot of people in an uh, area that I grew up, you know, we were just honestly kind of nice people, you know, not jaded like a lot of people are sometimes in bigger cities. But also it runs, you know, from top down. If your family was that way, you were that way. And it it comes in so many forms. I mean, if you if you have a good 
experience in a hospital and you were treated well, even though you're in a bad shape or you're scared, it's that kindness that will put you at ease. And, you know, it's the same way, of course, in my business where um, from the minute you walk in a door of a restaurant, how you are greeted, or even when you call for a reservation on the phone, it's the sound of the voice. It's the way that you uh, speak to the guest is what welcomes them even before they have arrived at the destination. I remember um, I was working reservations for, for a couple of years, sort of the early part of my career at a hotel in London. And you know, during some of my training, they always said, even though the guest is not in front of you, smile. Yes, exactly. And it comes I, through. Yes. It is. The difference in just placing that mental smile in your voice is such a difference. I used to have a host at one of my restaurants and, you know, I was so used to everyone always trying to just answer the phone and get it done. And I, I, I kind of worked with him and he was able to say, welcome to the restaurant say his name and where your wish is my command. And that was such a lovely tagline. And I was like, you know, if more people would just take that breather and take their time and enjoy that part of the ride, it's so welcoming to the others, but it does make a bigger difference than we think. I completely agree. And it was actually something I was talking about um, earlier today is that, you know, when when you feel that service, when you feel that someone is really there for you, like if you take that moment to slow down, you know, oftentimes we're in like this exactly. rush, you know, like just get it done. You know, that yes. person is right in front of you. You just want to resolve. But if you can just take that moment to pace yourself and just think of, you know, the longer term impact that that interaction can have, yes. it's a much, it's a different outcome completely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, people really do take note of those things. If when you're walking a guest to a table, you take a moment, you get them properly seated, you hold the chairs for the, the, the lady, um, you introduce yourself, all the little things People are watching that around you and they notice the care that is transferred through. And to me, when we get those kind of compliments, there's nothing that could be better. You know, I, I have a lot of younger kids these days. Um, sometimes we even have 16, 17 year olds that are learning the host position. And those kindnesses are something that I think can be ingrained in them open the door for the person that is struggling that has a cane or a walker. You know, um, don't cut off your guest at the pass because you're rushing to get to a table. You know, take that little moment, just like you're saying. And, and, and what you said at the beginning, it comes from the top, right? Absolutely. So you're leading them and leading the way in that kind of behavior, and they're going to learn, and it's going to come all the way down for sure. And the manners really stand out. We have a, a phrase that came to me a few years ago, and I just love it. It's so, uh, it's just six little words, but the mantra says, devoted to excellence and blessed by grace. And I think that that is such a powerful uh, message somehow to remember where we came from and to remember that grace is really uh, guiding us. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, phrase, a wonderful mantra to live by. And so 
Have you always been the owner of six restaurants and with 300 employees? Tell us a little bit about your journey to get there. Well, I don't know if you're aware, but um, in 1994, my son was killed in San Francisco. And that began my journey as a chef. I had always loved to cook, but I did not do that for my profession at the time. I had been in the fashion business and running around and always jumping on planes and and in and out of the Bay Area where I lived with my son and raised him. When my son was killed, I was guided to come to Sedona, where I started my first restaurant with my partner, who at the time was my boyfriend. And um it wasn't it wasn't our goal to just start a restaurant as soon as we got to Sedona, but after about a year, I we joined forces. He was a professional chef. I was a self-taught cook. <laughs> Still am a cook. But uh at that time, um we uh forged an alliance and and created our first restaurant, which is called Dal and De Luca, which is my last name and his last name. And it worked out pretty well for as long as it was working out. But at some point, you know, the passion of everything that goes on in a restaurant business over time, it did become a little more than um, I think was comfortable. And uh, he became remarried. And at that time, things were a little bit more uh, tension between us. And it was a natural opportunity, not an easy opportunity, for me to buy out my partner. There was a lot of emotions. There was a lot of fear on my part. I think back in those days, there was still the um, the man is running the show type of mentality. My partner at the time was a Roman uh, gentleman who was very strong, He's a very good chef. But we were kind of like, you know, it just wasn't the perfect fit. And so I had the opportunity to attempt to buy him out. It took quite a bit of time. I had to take out a loan. I had to convince the banks and, and everything. But it was something that really paved my path to freedom to be the chef that that I could do what I wanted. I could expand if I wanted and I could just be on my own. I was quite fearful just because I felt that everyone um, in our community might think that I would not be able to hold my own as a woman, a woman chef and owner. But through that journey, I heard that little voice in my head tell me that it was time to write my book. I had recently lost my father. He had a, a pretty um, severe heart, heart condition, and it was very hard on me. And I spent a lot of time hoping that he would survive, but it was um, not to be. And after I felt that um, I was able to somehow heal from that experience, I heard his voice say, now you should write your book. And in writing the book, which is called The Elixir of Life, I wrote that in 2010, all of a sudden, I began to see that I was being 
recognized as a chef in my own right. It wasn't just my, you know, Italian partner that got all the glory. And it was very important to me because cooking uh, is is everything to me. And as I was cooking, I was also finding my salvation and healing through the loss of my son. So it was it was a very spiritual journey. And having my freedom, although that took quite some time, it wasn't an overnight uh, situation. It was well worth being able to do what I wanted to do and to continue to just expand the businesses and be creative. Thank you so much for sharing that and for being so open and honest about your experiences and so inspirational as well, like to have the strength to overcome the fear, like absolutely. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, taking out that loan for the first time and believing that you can do it, especially when everyone around you probably was thinking that, yeah, it's like, as a woman, why can't we? And, you know, I was thinking like chef and, and cook, you know, every part of the world, it is the women that are cooking at home. Yes. And why is it that men are chefs in restaurants? It has always baffled me. You know, where did they yeah. get their inspiration from, right? So exactly. they are amazing, amazing. I think the best, a better word that just come to me is we're amazing creators of food and meals. Absolutely. And it was such, it was so um, off balance back in those days. It seems like such a long time ago, but it it was a male-dominated kitchen uh, scene, and it still is. But, you know, I love the guys I work with, but back then there were so few women. I only had one woman employee who is a really, I would have to call her more of a family member, and she's been with me for the 27 years that I, since I started the first restaurant, and she's my sous chef. She's raised eight children in the time that that uh, she had several children before she started with me, but she became a naturalized citizen. And it, for the longest time, it was just her and I in the kitchen, making all the soups, making the foundations, the sauces that have made us famous and that we're still using to this day. Oh, incredible. You're absolutely right. The it's it's better. <laughs> the balance in the kitchen yes. are better. Yes. Uh, but it's still not there. No, not at all. I did a little search today just to check my numbers. Um, we have about one third women in our restaurant uh, company now. Um, that's not just in the kitchens. So, you know, it's still kind of a, um, a mystery of sorts why there aren't more women. But I'm in a smaller community and we're not in the larger uh, urban area. So I figure that part of that is just that there aren't so many people that are inspired by culinary and hospitality per capita, perhaps. But it's grown so much since the older days when I started that I'm very thankful. And um, we just, you know, inspiring women to be in this industry is is the way we keep ourselves going <laughs> for sure i envision an all-woman company at some point for sure <laughs> one day one day and, and this is part of the, my inspiration for this podcast because exactly what you're saying there like i felt when i was kind of 
first of all, coming out of university and then coming into my career, I didn't feel like I had enough female role models to look up to. Like, I went to hotel school, but I never aspired to be a GM because there were no female GMs that I could see around me. And then when I was developing my career and, you know, okay, you know, trying to be ambitious, I'm like, well, there are no women in senior positions across the industry. So does that mean I cannot get there? And I think this is why I wanted to do this podcast, because I want to showcase that there are so many inspirational women out there who can be your role models, who have a variety of different careers. You know, you come into this industry, you're not going to just have one path. You're going to have so many different options and you're going to find what works for you and what fits for you. So I hope you can get to your all woman or at least a balance right. uh, in your company as well um, and hope to inspire others to, to join you or start their own businesses, right? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, so what are some of your learnings from, you know, having run, you know, you, you took your loan out, you, you found the strength to, to take over your business, and you've obviously expanded it. Um, tell us a little bit about that growth uh, journey of your organization. Well, I was fortunate to be doing what I was doing in the times I was developing because back then the banking institutions were much more open to hearing your story. It wasn't just about the numbers. It was about sharing your vision. And if they believed in you, you were able to get the loan. And that is what started my journey of being my own um my own uh, uh being the owner of the company i've never had partners except for originally my partner that i bought out and so i've been on my own me and the banks <laughs> and <laughs> that's uh, you know but all i can say is that through that period of time I was always wanting to create new I had I was like a visionary I wanted to create new places that I could design as well as create those menus as well as create the recipes and teach and train those things and I I love the idea of the diversity of the restaurants starting with my first which was and still is a all region italian it's it's just something so delicious and wonderful and it's it we call it the shrine to the divine because it's in honor of my son which all my restaurants are but that is what put us on the map was sharing the love of taking care of people of keeping my son's memory alive in a in a subliminal way it wasn't something that everyone had to know about but yet it inspired the mantra when you cook with love you feed the soul and i live by that every day and it was really seemed so simple back then things now as we know especially since the pandemic it's a different world 
And a lot of those same variables might not have been possible today as they were back then when you shared your story and your your tenacity and you were able to start a business. And so I'm very thankful for what I've done. I I have um, been able to be very creative. I've been able to collaborate with so many wonderful people. And I still am. I, I adore what I do, but there's a lot more challenges, needless to say. I opened a second Italian restaurant, which is a, a gorgeous, it's, it's like a villa. It's 20 years old. And it still is like, it, it just seems like it was just built. It's so breathtakingly pretty, but I was able to travel and, and get antiquities designed around these beautiful antique doors and gates and windows. And I created the tagline, the doorway to the imagination awaits you. That's an Italian and Mediterranean uh, restaurant, but it's where we do our larger parties because I designed it to have multiple rooms and beautiful spacious patios. Well, my partner, uh, at that time, I was able to start that transition of buying him out. And I wanted to open a wood-fired pizzeria. He never wanted that. But I found um, an old pizza hut right next door to my original restaurant. And we we put in a wood fire oven and it was quite a journey in itself. I really thought that we weren't going to make it for a while because it was a new venture. And I had to learn so much about that from marketing mistakes I made, not knowing enough in the beginning to get all the elements that were different about the more casual, fast paced type of dining. My other restaurants being fine dining, there was a lot to learn but to be honest, I had a spiritual epiphany, and I was pretty much uh, ready to throw in the towel. This was at the beginning of social media. There was a lot of uh, people, I think they were probably competitors that were also opening up pizzerias around the same time, believe it or not. And I, I just, I, I felt very, um, very forlorn that um, I, I, I just, I felt scared. <laughs> I thought I could lose the business. And so really, um, when a friend came to me and told me a very special story that my son had come to her son in a dream, although they never knew each other. And she shared with me that he said, you tell my mom I'm with her and not to worry. Everything is going to be okay. And it sounds so simple, but I will tell you, I rolled up my sleeves I figured out what was going wrong with the timing of things and the training and all that. And in the very first year, even though I thought we were going to plummet, we turned it around. We hit a million dollars on the anniversary of the first year. And it was something that I just never looked back. We're now 10 years old. We do almost 3 million probably. We'll do that this year. And it's only about 50 seats in the entire restaurant. And it's just, it's a wonder. So I've always believed that I'm guided and that there's a spiritual aspect to the work I do. And you can't please everyone. Um, there are times when I, I, I'm too sensitive and it really tears me up 
because there's so much chatter, you know, this is just the nature of people these days. And I've never really had the time to be doing that. I, I don't engage in, in that because I've worked so hard and I'm usually actively working and trying to continue to grow the businesses and the relationships and things. But when those things do happen, it's usually from some form of jealousy or envy on some level. And the only way to really pick yourself back up is to concentrate on the work and the betterment of 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 yourself quite honestly and so you know this career is is what i've chosen to to learn about life quite honestly amazing thank you so much for sharing that journey and those stories it's just it's so inspiring and how you really connect with yourself and and really find that yeah, the, the messages that are coming, the creativity is from and believing in yourself, right? I mean, yes, you can be scared. Um, you can you can definitely be influenced by the chatter. You know, you, you absolutely can. But I think what I'm taking away from this is actually, you know what, just let's hold true to what um, is coming for us and 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 keep at it because it will it will come. And this is definitely something that I need to hear right now is I'm sort of at the start of my own solopreneur journey and trying to create something of my own. So this is definitely a good inspiration uh, for me. And I do want to move on to um, some of the work that you're doing now, especially when it comes to philanthropy. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, you know, I realized pretty early on that there was philanthropy, especially when you're in the restaurant business, it, it, it comes in so many forms. And philanthropy to me can be the smallest gesture of just realizing that, oh gosh, I had something happen just the other day. We had a incredible women's event and uh, the coordinator, bless her heart, several days before she broke her knees. And it it really, um, she wanted to be at that. She had done such a great job of getting everyone together for this women's luncheon affair. And so, you know, I just, I wanted to show her that we were thinking of her. So we had a lovely meal packed up. And when she received it, I found out she said that her husband was, um, I believe a, a rabbi and had just come back from his services with Jewish New Year and to have a dinner, the two of them together meant so well because she's been on her back the whole time. So it, it, to me, it's it can be the smallest of things that are philanthropy. It's what it's what it's the gift that keeps on giving. But through the restaurant business, I I've been able to help in ways from. Sometimes it's something as simple as that or giving gift cards for uh, different uh, non-for-profits. But it comes in so many forms. At one point I laughed <laughs> and I said, are restaurants really non-for-profits themselves? Because it, we always were able to try to give something of ourselves, whether it was hosting a celebration of life or being able to donate to um, 
a larger cause. Uh, I'll never forget quite a few years ago when World Central Kitchen first came on the scene. And there was a, a number of really uh, terrible tragedies that were going on um, uh, throughout the world. And I realized that if we gave a portion of all of our soup proceeds, that we could give quite a nice donation. So for about a year, we split the the cost of the uh, the profits of the soups throughout the restaurants. At the time, we had four, and we were able to give a check of forty thousand dollars to World Central Kitchen, and. I, I was never so proud. We we call um, the foundation, which we're in the process of starting our own non-for-profit, Project Soup Hope, because I do believe that soups, if they are created with love and with solid nutrition, can sustain someone and, and bring them out of the most horrible of doldrums. I have, over the years, seen soups uh, help people get back to life and be able to to eat after surgeries, things like that. I've also seen that my soups have at times been the last meals that people w- would have before they passed away. So I like to keep that very simple and do what we can do to the best of our abilities. It's harder now for us because of inflation because of what we've been through to try to keep our businesses afloat after the pandemic. But we still find many ways to give in our community and the larger community at large. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you're absolutely right. When it comes to soup, there is that feeling of like comfort that just evokes in you, right? You think of a soup, you're just like, it's like a... Yeah. Yeah. It is. And if you're if you're really suffering in life and you don't you can't you don't have uh, much to make in your pantry, if if you could be sustained on delicious soups, you can taste that love. And and that's, you know, it's something I really enjoy. I love making the soups. But it's there's many ways that we contribute, you know, when when I'm able to do some work with the Wounded Warriors. We've been able to uh, have a yearly event uh, for the last three years. And, and, and through having the Wounded Warriors in our restaurants, many of them, and then I do a cooking class and a book signing, things like that. That was um, something that I've always enjoyed. So there's, uh, there's, there's never an end to what you can do when it comes to philanthropy. Um, I just got asked to donate to a, what sounds like a really fun event, but it's for the Humane Society in Arizona, and they're doing a fashion show. So, you know, we will support that as well. So I would say uh, it's something that is part of being in the restaurant business, at least from my perspective, is giving back. Yeah, and, and when it comes to like food, and I mean, it is it's what sustains you in life, right? So I think there's just so much that can be done, and 
amazing that you are able to to contribute and it's just wonderful that you are able to kind of it's kind of like kind of you know coming back full circle as they say in life you know they always say like you know try and serve back uh what you can so and we take it for granted many of us you know we don't realize how much people thrive you know i I'll never forget when my I, my father was in the hospital for an extended period of time. My brother was in a motorcycle crash and nearly lost his life. And every time I would go in the hospital, I would be so um, amazed by the love of the of the people that took care of my family members that I'd come in with lasagnas and all kinds of goodies and salads and desserts. And I can tell you, it they just, they beamed. It just mm-hmm. meant so much because, you know, they don't get out, you know, they're taking care of others. So there's, you know, it's, it's, maybe it's almost selfish that I enjoy so much uh, being able to do that. But I think that, that there's much more to food than just eating, you know, it's, it's, it's sustaining, um, joy. And food brings people together. Like, especially if I think about culturally, you know, you learn from one another through the food and the habits and the traditions, and it's just a way to really appreciate one another as well. That's right. And look, I would love to keep talking to you as I knew this would happen, but I am going to move on to my final question and ask you, yes. who inspires you? Well, I'm inspired every day. I have to say, when I thought about the question, of course, my mother, who was the ultimate inspiration, because when I think of what she did back in the 40s, starting her own business and then ended up with four women's clothing stores that were very trend-setting and, you know, the ultimate entrepreneur because there were very few women entrepreneurs back in the day and she did it all. She chose the clothing. She uh, merchandised her windows. She was just a very incredibly talented uh, designer in her own right. So she'll always be um, my first inspiration. Um. There are so many women, I don't know where to start. Of course, I am always inspired by, of all people, Nancy Pelosi, because I think of what a strong woman she is and how she has had to hold her own uh, through such adversity. She is a, a hero. There's so many in the culinary industry. I can't even begin to tell you how many women inspire me that... Um, Ina Garten, I mean, she's such a cool chef with such a great story. So I'm inspired by women that follow their journey throughout their lifetimes and that touch so many lives themselves. And of course, Gail King, on uh, who's Oprah's best friend. I love Oprah and Gail. And I always said, if I could ever cook for them, I would be so happy. But the list is too immense. And hopefully I've given you a few of my favorites. That was wonderful. And I know that you will inspire many others as you have inspired me today. So thank you so much uh, for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me. I am blessed by this journey with you.
Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were as inspired as I was by that story. Please follow us here and on LinkedIn where I post videos of the recordings. Stay tuned for many more stories of inspiring women in hospitality. Thank you.